Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. John chapter 12, I know we've been in John, uh, Josh has for a long time, and so I'm going to kind of back up. I don't know if he covered this or not, but if he did, then I'm going to straighten him out. (laughs) Just kidding. Brother Brother, uh, Josh is on his way to to Gulf Shores on vacation. So I said, Brother Josh, don't you know there's a hurricane coming? So he said, I'm going to pray it goes toward Florida somewhere. So, <laughs> on there. So, he and his family is on his way down there. So, I hope they enjoy their self this week. And I hope they get some good, good rest and uh, that God will revive him and, and uh, let him get the rest he needs so he can come back and continue to be a strong pastor that he is. John chapter 12, beginning, I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. Read down through verse 29. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship him at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we'd like to see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Then Jesus answered them, saying, The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hath his life in this world shall keep it until life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there also my servant be. If any man serve me, him with my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then then, then came a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said it thundered. Others said an angel spoke unto him. Let me read again verse 27, for that's what I want to center in on this morning. Where Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. In 2004, June the 22nd, in 2004, I was doing a children's camp at uh, Tri-County Baptist Association. It was our associational camp. And uh, like many camps before, I was over there doing uh, uh, that camp. Uh, myself and Shirley Forrest from First Baptist, from First Baptist Marion, she and I was uh, the children's pastors over there. I was a children's pastor. She was kind of the administrator, but we were co-camp directors for that camp like we've done every year for about 10 years. And we always had great camps over there, always lots and lots of kids. And so this particular morning, when uh, 
we got up and started the day, got, had breakfast, and, and just like a normal day, I think this was on a Tuesday, second day of camp, we were all getting ready to uh, teach Bible uh, studies and things like that. And then Shirley, Mama Shirley had got a phone call that morning. And she, uh, I heard her talking on the phone, and after she hung up, she came over to me, and she said, Brother Billy, she said, that was my sister on the phone, and my mom has had a heart attack, and I've got to go. I've got to go check on her. they taking her by ambulance to Memphis, to the hospital, and uh, I, I, I've got to go. I said, hey, no problem. No problem. I said, girl, this ain't my first camp. You know, I got great counselors here, great workers. I said, you go, you go, you take care of your mom. I mean, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to take place. We got this. Everything's good. So she left, and she went on to take care of her mom. Well, uh, as we started, uh, like I said, as we started our day, the first one of the things we were doing was uh, our Bible study. I was, uh, I was teaching a class uh, on balloon animals, of course. I was teaching how to use balloon animals to teach the gospel. And so I was uh, in the lunchroom there, and I was teaching a bunch of kids there. And, and um, so when I got to the end of the class, um, you know, the next, the next thing after that was the snack shack. You know, everybody gets to go to buy some snacks, get them a drink, and stuff like that. So um, as, uh, as I was cleaning up and getting ready, I heard, it, I heard it thundering outside. And so I told my kids before we dismissed, I said, hey, uh, don't, don't go down to the cabin. Don't worry about going down there and getting your money. It's fixing to rain outside. So just go ahead and go to the snack shack, get your snacks, and you can just pay them later. And so, but before I could get it out, some of the kids had already out the door and it was gone. And so as I was cleaning up, one of the little girls came back up to the cafeteria, came up to me and said, Brother Billy, Shelby has fallen and I can't wake her up. And I said, I said, what? I said, what did you say? And she said, Shelby stepped up on her bed to get her money for the snack shack, and she fell, and she's lying on the floor, and I can't wake her up. And so I grabbed another uh, female counselor, and we took off down to the room down there, and there, there was Shelby, eight, year, eight years old, little girl, lying on the floor. I went and checked her. She had no pulse. She, had, she was unconscious. I stepped back and immediately called 911. I said, hey, I've got a little girl, eight-year-old girl that's here at Tri-County Baptist Camp. She's fallen off the top bunk, and she's unconscious, and I need an ambulance here as soon as possible. So I told the female counselors that you keep all the kids out of here, and so I started, I started uh, doing CPR and mouth-to-mouth -mouth and, and everything I know to, to do. And so there was a... Uh, there was a man that was teaching in the lodge there. He was from First Baptist Wynn. He was an EMT. He came running down there to check on what we were doing. He said, Brother Billy, we're not waiting on the ambulance. He said, scoop her up uh, and put her in the back of my truck. We're going. So I scooped her up in my arms. I got in his back seat. And he said, don't stop. Don't stop CPR. Continue. So I, I continued CPR and mouth to mouth and everything I knew, I knew to try to get a pulse. So as we got out there on the highway, we met the ambulance, we stopped, we transferred it to the ambulance, they left, went on to the hospital. I came back to camp. I gathered all my counselors together, all the kids together, and I said, hey, 
Uh, we prayed for Shelby. We, we, we don't know what happened to her. I said, I didn't tell the kids what happened. I said, we just need to pray for her and her family right now. And so we did. We, we prayed for her. And I said, I told my counselors, I said, let's try to get back to normal as much as we can. And so before I could dismiss them and get back, my phone was blowing up. It was just blowing up. I mean, I've already had like eight missed calls and stuff like that because when something like that happens and, you know, in a little town of wind, uh, you know, news travels fast. And so um, I had moms calling, wanting to know what was going on, and they were coming up to pick their kids up from camp because they had found out that Shelby died at the hospital. That was the word that we got back, that they pronounced her dead on arrival. And so we had moms flooding the camp, picking their kids up. And so I told my counselors, I said, hey, go to your cabins, help the kids get everything packed. I said, camp's over. And so after camp was over, I was at home. And I was getting ready, getting dressed to go to the visitation at William Baptist Church. And so as I was getting dressed, the thought kept coming through my mind, what am I going to say? I mean, what am I going to say to this lady? You know, I mean, what do you say at a time like this? You know, and over the over the years, I've had people come to me throughout my ministry when something, something tr terrible has happened, like some tragedy, some car accident, some death of a loved one, and they say, Brother Billy, I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, what do you say at a time like this? And the thing, about the, and the thing that's amazing to me is that, is that, that there's another person who has experienced this same feeling. There's another person who has experienced, who, who has been put in this same position. And you know who it is? It's the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Because verse 27 there has been such an encouragement to me over all these years where Jesus says, now is my soul troubled and I don't know what to say. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if that would have been coming from somebody else. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that, if that had been some less mortal, some mere mortal, I mean, from per, some person who had inherited Adam's sin, but here's the master of the worlds. I mean, here's the master, world, the master of all the worlds. Here's the supreme among the angels adored at the Father's right hand, and yet he confesses, my soul is troubled, and I don't know what to say. I mean, you mean to tell me that Jesus has a loss for words here? I mean, the one who spoke the universe into existence and holds the, 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 the planets and the moons in, in their orbits? You mean to tell me he has a loss for words here? Now is my soul troubled, and I don't know what to say. Now, folks, if we can understand this as it applies to our Lord, then we can understand it as it applies to us this morning. Because, see, the truth is, there's not one among us here this morning who is not sometime in our Christian experience, if we were to be honest enough, would say, my soul is troubled, and I don't know what to say. 
It may be because some child is out yonder in the wayfaring way and you don't know what, what's happened to them and, and, and you've prayed all the prayers you know to pray and you say, Brother Billy, I just don't know what to say anymore. I don't know what to do. It may be that your wife or your husband has announced there's somebody else and now they want to end the marriage and you've prayed all the prayers you know to pray and you did all the things the books say to do and you don't know what else to do. You don't know what else to say. You don't know what else to pray anymore. It may be that the doctor has told you there's nothing else they can do for you. And you've done everything you know to do. You've read all the books. You've listened to all the preachers. You've gone through all the rituals, and yet this sickness has not abated. And there's only one course. You're dying, and that's all there is to it. And you say, my soul is troubled, and I don't know what to say. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What to say when you don't know what else to say. What to say when you don't know what else to say. Jesus said it in verse 27. He says, now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul troubled. I don't know what to say. And then Jesus says, oh, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Now listen, folks, this is what I want you to get this morning. If you don't get anything else, this is what I want you to, 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 to clamp on to this morning. Because there's always, whatever the situation is in your life, whatever the turmoil is in your life, whatever the confusion, whatever the trouble is in your heart and in your life, there is something that is proper and fitting to say, and this is it right here. Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. When no other prayer seems to work and, and you've read all the how-to books and you've gone through all the steps and nothing seems to have changed and you're facing an uncertain time and you don't know what else to ask for, you don't know what to say, just know that this is always right. Just know this is always proper. This is always fitting. Father, glorify your name. Glory, Father, glorify your name. Now let me mention three things about this prayer. Let me mention three things about this statement. First of all, it brings to us a sense of security. It brings to us a sense of security. It's a prayer that offers security. Notice Jesus says, what shall I say? Father, glorify thy name. Notice those first words, Father, Father. This prayer has in it security. It has in it reassurance. See, he didn't say God. He didn't say some impersonal fate. He didn't say the stars. See, he relates it to, to someone who cares and who's concerned about our need. You know, I don't know about you, but you know, I've never been into horoscopes or anything like that. You know, I, you know, I see them in the paper all the time. I don't, read, I don't read horoscopes or nothing like that. But you know what? I know people. I know people that won't even walk out the front door of their house until they read the horoscope. I tell you, that's a sad bondage to be in. I really do. I believe it's a sad bondage to be in. But you know, I, I, I've never been into horoscopes or anything like that. I never forget one time I was going to, up to Pennsylvania to help um, pastor friend. Uh, when I was in seminary, I was, I was flying up there to help him do some mission work and he had started a church up there in Pennsylvania. And so I, I had flown out from Memphis to Detroit, from Detroit over to, uh, to Pennsylvania. And so my flight from Detroit over to Pennsylvania wasn't a whole lot of people on the plane. So I never forget this lady was sitting over across the aisle from me. She was reading the newspaper. And all of a sudden, 
She looks at me and she says, what are you? Now, Brother Johnny, I know she wasn't talking about animal, mineral, vegetable. I mean, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious what I was, you know. I said, well, uh, I said, ma'am, I'm, uh, I'm a preacher. I'm going up to Pennsylvania to help a friend of mine do some mission work up there. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, what sign were you born under? I said, ma'am, far as I know, I wasn't born under any sign unless it was emergency, unless it was emergency room or hospital or you know, something like that. I said, ma'am, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, when's your birthday? She said, no, when's your birthday? I said, December 3rd. She said, oh, you're a Sagittarius. Oh, what a relief. Man, what a relief. She said, I'm a Pisces. Whatever that is, I, I didn't know if I was supposed to stand up and uh, applaud or, or sing the Hallelujah Chorus or what. I, I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything to do, you know. But, you know, I, I got to thinking about that. You know, and I, I am so thankful. I am so thankful to God this morning that my life is not in the hand of some fate. It's not in the hand of some politician out there. It's not in the, the position of the stars or the planets or anything like that. But I am thankful to God that my life is in the hands of a holy father that knows me and loves me today. Amen. You know, he's a father who knows us and loves us. See, I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be afraid to say, Father, glorify thy name. I'm not afraid of my father. I have three children, and as God is my witness, if I, 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 would do, I wouldn't do anything in the world to hurt my children. I mean, I would lay down my life for them, and they know that. And when I don't know which way to turn, and I don't know what to say, I can always say, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name because he's a father who cares, but he's also a father who's in control. See, so many times we earthly fathers, we want to take care of our children, but sometimes things get out of our control. And there's nothing we can do for them. But see, we have a heavenly father that not only cares, he's also in control of what's going on. And so we say, Father, glorify thy name. It's security in that prayer. But second of all, there's submission in that prayer. There's submission in that prayer. Notice back in verse 27. Notice back in verse 27. He says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? What shall I say? Well, I could say, Father, save me from this hour. I mean, that's what I'd say if it was me. I mean, if it's me, that's what I'd say. I could say, Father, save me from this hour. See, Jesus, see what, what's going on here, folks, is that Jesus is being tempted at this moment. He's being tempted at this moment because, see, the things that's troubling Jesus and what's causing turmoil and unrest in his heart is the fact that he's got to face Gethsemane and the cross. He knows what's coming up. He knows what's coming up. And so he says, what shall I say? And the first thing that comes to his mind, and here, here you see the human side of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see the human side of our Lord and the things that come, the things that come to his mind as they would mind is that, Lord, deliver me from this hour. That's what I like to say. And you see, you see the human side of Jesus here. I mean, Jesus knew what was, he was knew what was going to take place. 
He knew what was going to happen. He knew that he had to go to, he had to, go to the garden of Gethsemane and he knew the agony and the prayer that he had to pray. And he knew what was waiting for him on Golgotha. The, the, the nails in his arms and his legs, he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. And so as any human side, he would say, oh, what I'd like to say is, Lord, deliver me from this hour. That's what I'd like to say. But praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He said, no. No, for this cause came unto this hour. That's what he's saying. He said, but no, for this cause I came into this hour. Jesus said, my mission is submission, and that is to glorify the name of my Father. I'm to glorify the name of my Father. And friend, we, we, we need to understand this morning that it is with this very purpose we came into this world. And, that's, and, that is the, and, and that is the reason God saved this is so that we may glorify the name of Jesus. We may glorify his name. You know, I, I couldn't help but think about this the other day. You know, friends, I got the idea. I got the idea that the devil could care less if we're charismatic or Methodist or Baptist or whatever, as long as we do not glorify the name of the Father. As long as we don't do the main thing, I think the devil could care less of who we are and what we do, as long as we don't glorify the name of the Father. But friend, we need to see this morning, we need to be reminded that for this purpose, he says, for this purpose I came into this world, which is to glorify the name of my Father for whatever that involves. See, folks, the reason God saved you was so that, so that you, you, you couldn't escape, but that you might exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a prayer of submission. A prayer of submission. Father, glorify your name. And for Jesus, it meant passion, it meant death, it meant suffering on that cross. And because of that, he stands this morning to you and I as an example, as a prayer of submission. Whatever it takes, whatever course is required of me, whatever path I have to travel down, this is to be my prayer. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. It's a prayer of submission, but it... One last thing. It is also a prayer of significance. It's a prayer of meaning and importance to my life and to your life. Now, I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice something. There's two words that are not there, but they're implied. In verse 28, look at it. He says, Father, Glorify thy name in me. In me. Now, they're not recorded, but that's what he means. That's what Jesus means here. That's what he means. Father, glorify thy name in me. In me. And when you pray this prayer, this is what it means. Father, glorify yourself in me. And what I'm trying to say is that it's somehow, it's somehow when you pray that prayer like that, it somehow gives significance. It adds meaning to what's going on in my life. It adds meaning to what's happening to me at that time. 
In other words, if I'm flat on my back in a hospital room or standing over death of a loved one, it reminds me that there's nothing incidental or accidental in my life, but that every fabric of my daily life is being woven into a beautiful pattern for the glory of the Father. It adds meaning, it adds significance to my life. But notice, notice the assurance that Jesus receives. Notice what Jesus receives. His father says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's what he tells his son. He says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. You say, Brother Billy, I have never had a prayer answered before. Brother Bill, I've never had a prayer answered before. Well, friends, this is one prayer I promise God will answer. I guarantee you, you can walk out of this church this morning knowing that this is one prayer that you offer up to God, he'll answer. You know, it's hard to believe. This will be my last Sunday as your children's pastor. Three more days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll be retiring. You know, it's, I was thinking about that. I said, you know, I announced it in January. And here it is already September. Where did time go? Where did the time go? You know, but I couldn't help but think about this. I mean, what a better theme for my life and for your life than this right here, Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. And so, folks, I don't know what path God's going to take us down this year, this, this month, this week, this, this year, next month, next year. I don't know. I don't know what kind of path he's going to lead us down. I tell you, I hope there are better paths he led us down last year, last month. Matt. But whatever path he leads us down, people, I hope our prayer will be, Father, glorify your name in me. Whatever that involves, whatever heartache, whatever tragedy, whatever sorrow, we need to encourage one another. Father, glorify your name. And so, and so on that hot June day back in 2004, as I was getting ready to go to the visitation of little Shelby, eight years old, the thing that was going through my mind was, what am I going to say to this mom? As far as I know, I'd never met mom before. And so I, I was rehearsing things in my mind, like, you know, when, when I looked at her face to face, I said, what am I going to say? What's she going to say? I mean, she, she may slap my face. She may say, why didn't you, why didn't you save my daughter? What did you do more? I didn't know what she was going to say. And I'll be honest with you, friends. I had a tremendous burden of guilt on my heart because I was a camp pastor there. I was in charge. And little Shelby died on my watch. 
And so as I was getting ready to go to the visitation, I was going over in my mind, what am I going to say to her? What am I going to say? And so as I got over to Wynn, to the church there, of course, you know, it was so many people there, and I got in line, and I waited till it was my time to get up there. The whole time I was rehearsing what I was going to say, that I tried everything. I was going to tell her, ma'am, I am so sorry I couldn't save your daughter. I tried everything. I called 911. I did CPR. I did mouth to mouth. I did everything I know to save your daughter. And I failed. And so that's what I was going to say to her. And so as it was my turn, I stepped up on the stage. I walked up to her. I looked her in the face. She reached out her hand like this. And I grabbed her hand. And she said, you're Brother Billy, aren't you? Never met her before. She said, you're Brother Billy, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. And before I could get my words out, she said this. She said, Brother Billy, thank you so much. She said, thank you so much for telling my Shelby about Jesus. Because that's the last thing she heard. Before she went to heaven. She said, thank you for telling my Shelby about Jesus because that's the last thing she heard before she went to heaven. And I'm going to tell you, my heart, my heart burst at that time. And we hugged each other and I walked off the stage. As I walked off, I looked up into heaven and I said, Father, thank you. Father, thank you for glorifying yourself in me. That's what you say when you don't know what else to say. Father, glorify yourself in me. Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.